is it is such a privilege and a joy to speak with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, anytime, anytime. Um, Unseen Skies is wonderful. It's a great film. Um, terrifying, uh, <laughs> but it is phenomenal. <laughs> Um, how, how did you, uh, what, what made you want to tell this story? How did you first meet Trevor? So I'd actually been sort of tracking what Trevor been doing for a while. I suppose in another life, I was an investigative journalist and a foreign correspondent for a number of years. And that's when I first learned of Trevor Paglin's work and he was, traversing the Nevada and California deserts at that time, trying to figure out what was going on at black ops sites or what they looked like, what it looked like, um, you know, at these sites that were basically off the map, you know, what did these invisible places look like? Um, and that really captured my imagination at the time. And it wasn't until, you know, a number of years later when, you know, we reconnected and he was working on the orbital reflector project that we decided, okay, let's, let's make a feature, you know, not just about orbital reflector and that sort of trajectory, that narrative trajectory about, you know, trying what is involved in putting something up in space, but also um, about, you know, his wider work. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is an incredible project that I'm still processing. Like there's just so much, uh, so much to discuss with this particular film. Um, is, is there anything, I mean, along this journey for you, is there something that you wish that the public understood more about, about satellites and privacy? I think for, for me at the core, this film is an examination of power mm. and infrastructures that are built into our landscapes that facilitate power and how it's really easy to miss that if you don't know what to look for and so in a way we're trying and, and trevor's artworks try to train you how to see these infrastructures of power um, and i found that really compelling and fascinating and so for me this is a film that kind of examines the um evolution of surveillance technologies from you know what it once was which was largely uh state surveillance to what it is largely now which is corporate surveillance um and you see that with big tech and you see that with um how covid the pandemic has really created this disruption in the way that we conduct our work and our schooling and even you know all of our health it's it's online um and it's created this disruption that has allowed the acceleration of surveillance technologies um, you know, into our lives, into our homes, into our schooling, into our, you know, into our workplaces. Um, and so this is, that's for me, the core of what this film is about, you know, this examination of power. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, the, it, it, the, the film for me sort of, sort of jukes, when it's talking about military surveillance and then starts talking about uh, uh, social media and, and Google and these things. And you're like, uh, Oh, okay. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, if you could expand on that a little more from your perspective, what, what are those similarities between the social media frenzy and the government surveillance, which, which we hear about, but we don't see. 
But I mean, I, I almost think that government surveillance is a little bit more antiquated than you know what it is that Facebook and Google have mm. on us. I mean, Facebook and Google, and I don't. Well, let's not um, let's not pick out any one particular tech company, but a lot of these major tech companies have granular data about our lives that state surveillance apparatus would only dream of having. I mean, they know how you feel at particular moments. Then you, they know what pushes your buttons. They know your innermost thoughts, you know, because you're, you're talking to your friends and you're, you're using social media platforms in order to communicate with them. And they see, they're seeing what you're scrolling. They're seeing what you're, you know, searching on the internet at odd hours of the night. I mean, this is this is a sort of data that that a surveillance apparatus can only dream of. And the thing about the sort of corporatization of surveillance is what these tech companies are usually using it for is in order to sell you more products. Like in a way, I'm not sure if you're um, familiar with Shoshona Zuboff's uh, book, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. Um, basically, kind of outlines how you know, these tech companies are basically the the oil barons of this century. Um, but the thing that is being mined, the thing that is being extracted is us, mm. like is our behaviours. You know, we are the resource being extracted um, in order to then sell things back to us um, or change our behaviours even. Um, and there's something inherently anti-democratic about the way that that is operated and the way that we can't really opt out from that or the way that we can't really, we don't really know how information is being used and processed and where it goes and how decisions are being made, like very important decisions in terms of insurance and in terms of getting credit and in terms of, you know, getting jobs even. So we're not aware of the inner workings of a lot of these surveillance technologies that have really big implications on our daily lives and this is what we're trying to lift the lid on um, in the film we're trying to kind of lift the lid on the inner workings of surveillance technologies to give you a kind of glimpse as to how it works um, so that you can kind of make better informed decisions about what it is you do put out online and how you do engage um, with tech companies uh, because you know, there are some, there are real implications for um, the way you operate. Well, I, you know, that, that raises an interesting question. I, I, you know, I love what you're saying there. And it definitely, you know, I like the, that you use the term anti-democratic, but so much of these things, and you know, I'm, I'm speaking sp strictly of social media here, not against, uh, not a, about, you know, government surveillance, of course, but we volunteer so much of this information. We, you know, like we, we are been very quick to say, take my life, please, to point, to paraphrase an old joke. It's every detail of our lives. We're like, oh, I'll store that online. I'll put that picture out for other people to see. I'll put that credit card information. I'll put that, in, you know, why do you think that, that that's been so easy for us? You know, we, we've been talking about conspiracies for centuries, you know, especially in the last you know, six, five, six decades, you know, since post second world war, but all of a sudden we're just like, no, that that's fine. That's something different. 
Yeah, I think there's a really big disconnect between community expectations about how these tech companies should be operating um, and how they actually do. And so we expect them to value our privacy and protect our data. Um, but if you look at the terms and conditions of their policies, there's, it's anything but that and really who has the time to, to go through the terms and conditions of these policies. So I think the major issue here that needs to be addressed is that there are no policy frameworks mm. in place that regulate how our data is used by these companies that have enormous power and have enormous, you know, have an enormous database of our, you know, of our personal details. And so the thing, because we, because there hasn't been, I mean, there's been this kind of, disconnect between old power and the new power that's in, emerging with big tech and old power hasn't quite figured out or kept pace with what you know big tech is doing and i'm talking up here about you know policymakers and people in government and we kind of saw that with the um uh when facebook went to congress and right. you know a lot of the very basic questions that were being asked like you know how do you actually make a profit if your service is free and then we're like well it's called advertising um, so i think because there is that disconnect big tech has been allowed to kind of run rampant and do their own thing and it goes against community expectations and we need to bring it back in line yeah i love that um one of the things i thought was also so fascinating about this film is the idea of making meaning um you know the the conversations taking place um just even even that scene where uh you know trevor i think it's trevor sitting in the, the thing in the they're they're identifying him based on his facial expressions and and whatnot but I, I was wondering uh how you what it means to make meaning and and how that affects that shift in that power if it does i mean in a way it's almost like we're trying to analyze this power mm. um and figure out a way to see it or to recognize it. I think, I think it's about recognizing these power structures because in a lot of ways, people wouldn't see a computer vision algorithm that's trying to analyze you and figure out who you are based on how you look, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what your job is based on how you look, how old you are, what your emotional state is, we wouldn't think that there's a lot of power in that, but there is because there are a lot of implications in terms of policing or in terms of getting promotions or, you know, advancing in your life or getting credit or you know, insurance, etc. Um, and so that's one of the main things we're trying to help people who are watching to do is to, to recognize these power structures. Um, and when you're able to do that, you could perhaps engage with it in a different way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the, the, the follow-up here is, is the idea of value judgment. Um, because the, the way that that power informs our meaning, I love how the, the film addresses that also informs the way we make our, de our, our decisions and about people or about situations.
Um, so, I mean, I admit this question is a bit broad, and so forgive me. And if it's unanswerable, feel free to say. Um, I'm, I'm, it just it got me thinking about what do you think it constitutes truly the image of humanity? What what is how do we define ourselves in a healthy way? I, I understand this is talking about power to structures and we're talking about surveillance and all these other things, but these idea of making meaning, it, it drew me to this idea of what it means to define who we are. Um, and I was just wondering what you thought about that. I think, I think what's really interesting about Trevor's work is that what he has increasingly found, and he is someone who, you know, lives and breathes in that image making world, you know, as an artist, as a visual artist, what he has found is that images are being more images are being made now mm. just for computers, just for algorithms. Um, and that only being seen by those computers than for humans. And so how does that change the meaning of images when they're only being analyzed by computers, being made for computers to be analyzed by computers and humans are taken out of that equation? The thing that's kind of scary about that is that a lot of these algorithms are based it's basically pattern recognition. So it's looking at what has happened, ha happened in the past or um, you know, how images have been interpreted in the past and you know, they're interpreted by people and people classify what these images are according to their own worldviews and their own biases and subjectivity goes into that. Um, and Trevor makes the point that it's usually, you know, white men in Silicon Valley who are, who are doing, who are making these, you know, systems and analysing these images. Um, or in more authoritarian countries, it's, you know, the state apparatus that's doing that. Um, and so if we're recycling, basically, history, if we're recycling, basically, the status quo, and exclude and by doing that we're excluding people who've been historically marginalized um and we're then embedding that into algorithmic systems that most people see as objective and neutral mm. and most people like believe what computers spit out and they think oh, okay this is because you know computers are they're not making judgments based on you know their own biases it's, it's it's what the computer says so it must be right and you kind of come up against this time and time again with you know governments and other industries trying relying purely on algorithmic data sets in order to make their decisions um, but when the data is flawed when the data is based on the status quo it excludes people who have who do not conform to that and that's dangerous for mm. progression of society. That's, da that's dangerous for um, people who are thinking critically outside of these systems, outside of the status quo. Um, and it has like major implications for our progression as a society. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's amazing when you really start reflecting on even just the nature of language and art how it shapes vision and perspective so quickly. It just, just wires the brain. 
uh it's 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 wild um i i could we we could keep going but i we're running out of time uh, i i'm just wondering what what it is that you hope people take away from the film oh, look i suppose the first thing is to kind of recognize these systems and think more thoughtfully about how you engage with them um so that you know we can have these conversations about you know do is there too much power in the hands of particular companies shouldn't there be more pressure on policymakers to regulate them better um i think i think at the at the very first instance i think being able to recognize and see these structures allow us to have these conversations that then can lead to some sort of change that is better for our society because the profit models of these companies aren't based on a social good they're based on keeping us inside their systems or on their platforms for longer doesn't matter if you're watching you know far right content or um you know something that's harmful to you as a person as an individual um and harmful to your emotional health it's just about keeping you on there for longer and I think that we need to figure out a way to make this more about um, being platforms for social good. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time. It's a wonderful film. Um, and uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you for this conversation. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, David.